you're listening to the Seven Transformations Podcast. For access to the latest content, including the show notes to this episode, stay connected at the7transformations.com. Create a life you love. Transformation is an ongoing journey, and it is good that we don't have to walk that path alone. My name is Tudor Alexander, and this is my weekly podcast sharing life lessons on and off the competitive floor with a few stories in between. Thank you for joining me on this journey. And now, let's create a life we love. All right, welcome back. How's it going, everybody? My name is Tudor Alexander, and this is my podcast, The Seven Transformations. I'm here with one of my awesome friends, Payam. What's up, Payam? What's up? Good. Great to be here. <laughs> We've been having, I invited Payam over here for an interview today. It's Sunday, uh, and I invite him over at like five o'clock, and it's like eight o'clock now. We've been having some really <laughs> awesome conversations uh, about just life and transformation and all kinds of really cool. I loved it. I enjoyed like, that everything. I don't think you know, we were just covered the gamut between everything. So <laughs> today we're going to talk about transformation, and particularly I invited Payam because he is actually an orthodontist, you know, here in the Phoenix Valley, and talking about the transformative aspects of his career and uh, his future and a lot of the things that he is up to in his life. So why don't you just take it away, Pyram? Tell him what, what you do. Yeah, I, um, I'm an orthodontist. I'm, I'm a dentist first, and then I specialized in orthodontics to deal with um, a big picture of smiles and keeping teeth straight and mm -hmm. uh, using different tools and techniques to do that and put it in, in a context of transformation. I noticed actually from the last conversation we had um, when we open a topic, that topic can comes in so many different oh, contexts. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why we got into three hours conversation. Oh, it's yeah. just really fun. But looking at orthodontics, put it in the context of transformation. Um, I can look at it from three different perspectives and you tell me which one you want to go further in this podcast. Yeah. One is myself or any professional who transformed their life from being a high school student to a specialist in orthodontics. That's mm -hmm. a transformation. Yeah, that's a for journey an individual. for sure. That's a journey. There is a transformational aspect of the what the service that we provide to people. Yeah. As an orthodontist, I provide some services mm -hmm. that transform their smiles and transforms their lives. Yeah, That's a different context. And the other time context is just orthodontics as a profession as, as as an art, as a field of art and science, over the time, it's going through certain transformations. Yeah. So that's a different context to talk about. But I'm I'm open to yeah, any and, side of that. And you all want of those, actually, I mean, really, I would say probably the first two was my initial thought behind this interview. I don't know too much about orthodontics, so that would be interesting for you to share uh, about that third part. But really, the uh, I think we can cover all of them. I mean. The first thing that came to my mind was the impact on people through your service. Obviously, you know, you know, fixing somebody's jaw or helping them smile. That's such a, our mouths are such a big part of the social experience of being mm -hmm. human. You know, we speak through them. We, you know, we are, we look a certain way when we smile. And, and certainly there's a lot to be said, especially about children and being ostracized at school, being bullied for 
you know, defects in the in the mouth or having crooked teeth or whatever. So it's really, to me, a very healing profession when you're in that kind of work of helping people uh, transform. You really, to me, it's a change. It's a physical change. But to me, the, the transformation is the significance behind it. It's the meaning behind that change. Because it's not just straightening out somebody's teeth. It is the impact on their social relationships, on their quality of life. There's all those things that are transform- transformative, which make it very interesting. So... Well, I guess, have you ever thought of your work as transformative or was it like, okay, I'm just an orthodontist, I'm doing, you know, was it more, um, how do I phrase this question? Like, was it more, when you look at your work, was it more from the aspect of what you're doing rather than what it means? Like when you're in your orthodontist field, have you ever thought of it as, gosh, I'm really, you know, impacting people's lives. I love the the transformative aspect of this. Maybe you didn't language it that way, but have you ever had those kind of thoughts? Yeah, actually, by by nature, um, in our field, which is dentistry, there's mm-hmm. art element to it, there's a science element yeah, to absolutely. it. Yeah, absolutely. And when these two come together, and we are working with people, so it's art and science mm-hmm. and people involved. So when you put all these three together, just transformation is at the core. Mm. In some other fields of dentistry, People come in with pain and we alleviate their pains with root canal therapy or something and they leave the office without pain. Mm. That's like a small transformation. It happens yeah. at the moment. You come in the office with pain, you leave with comfort and ease. But in orthodontics world, still com- transformation is at the core of, mm. even we put it in our personal statements, that we are interested to see people transform mm. and okay. their confidence so it's actually level language. raises. It's, it's, what, it's language in our... Profession. That's people who have the desire to be more influential in other people's life. Yeah. In our field, they, some of them decide to become an orthodontist. I see. In all different fields of medical, you can do that. And so transformation is basically the core. And if you, we can look at it from biologic perspective, um, psychologic perspective, and social perspective. These are also three different contexts and platforms. With biologic perspective, yes, there are crooked teeth. And they're basically hidden behind the lips. Yeah, because yeah. Because kids, they have crooked teeth. They rarely smile. They still have crooked teeth. Yeah. <laughs> they rarely smile and nobody knows it. But as soon as, and I have in my patients that, and I look at the initial picture, this young little girl, shy, and I, we always take initial photos. Hmm. So I look at the initial picture. She's shy, head is down. She yeah. barely, and I had to ask her like 10 times, hey, please smile bigger. I want to have a record of yeah, your yeah, yeah. initial face. And then I put it in the final picture after two years of work. I see this little gay is like kind of bloomed. Oh, I look at yeah. and I'm just, would you please smile? And she's showing all her teeth. She's smiling. The head is up. The neck is up. The chin is in a different position. Even on a lot of those pictures, initial and finals, you see even the kids, like the hairstyle, the way they dress, it's even changed. Mm. So it's that's the those impacts on on all areas of their life. I mean, it's not exactly just, yeah, yeah. that's cool. But the, the the cool thing is, it's it's really hard to scientifically measure the psychologic aspect of it. Right. I think all my colleagues or whoever is in this kind of transformational medical artistic field, they can attest to that because we can see it firsthand as a practitioner, experience mm-hmm. it with our yeah. client. But it's really hard to measure it because a kid whose smile is transformed today is going to leave, say we finish the treatment at age 15. I'm just, we have yeah. patients from age seven to age 70. I see a lot of adult patients and the value of the transformation at 
age seven and age ten is just the same to me mm-hmm. at least. But we let's assume in a case we finish the treatment at age fifteen and this kid is gonna live up to age hundred. Mm. The benefits of having the confidence yeah, early to keep on. their heads yeah. up, shoulders back, and let the leaps loose and yeah. a smile to the world over a long period of time, 65 years, 75 years, yeah. is just significant and it's impossible to measure. Well, and they even, I think the latest health research on longevity states that the top two factors for a long life have nothing to do with diet and exercise or anything like that, but it's really more about your social relationships, like whether mm-hmm. you are integrated in society and the health of your relationships, like social social life. Yeah. Those are the two. So, you know, that's one thing that's interesting to me. I've, I've had to learn that too, especially when you are working with, you know, let's say you're doing charity work or let's say you're even, you know, doing work that's transformative and impacting other people. A lot of the appeal for that kind of work for us who want to get involved in it is, you know what, I'm going to make a difference. I want to you know, make an impact. And of course, that's attachment to that is the result that you're making. You know, like how many kids did I, you know, what's the measurable outcome so I can feel good about myself in a sense. And one thing that it, I had to learn that it's it's always something you have to keep in check is that you you will never know the extent to which you have touched a life through the efforts that you make, even if the, you feel it's an insignificant, you know, effort that you made, uh, maybe giving that homeless guy a bottle of water or five bucks was something life-changing for somebody else, like the butterfly effect, you know, mm-hmm. or this whole thing. So uh, it, it's interesting, you know, to think that we can touch somebody's life in a way that impacts so much, you know, to, to the rest of their life without even ever really knowing how. It's kind of a spiritual practice of detachment that you have to get in tune with, you know, when you're doing this kind of work. Mm-hmm. So. And uh, it's it's interesting that you quoted that article. There's one research published a few years ago in orthodontic fields that people with straight smile and healthy, beautiful smiles, confident smiles, they are 30% more successful than those they don't have oh, wow. confident smiles. As an orthodontist, when this study came out, we all loved it because yeah, it was like perfect. <laughs> yeah, no, it's but true. I mean, look at it from the transformational perspective. Yeah. 30% is significant. Just that imagine I have the potential of making, um, I don't know, $50,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Now with 30% improve, I'm making $65,000 right. a year and then just add it up in a lifetime of a person and just... I'm just coming from just a simple number. Yeah, what number. is the return on that? On 30%, that kind of... this is something easy, simple, measurable, and it's done in the scientific study. Yeah. But there's other aspects of it. Like I had one of my patients, she had significant jaw problems. So we have two things now here. Mm. We either deal with positioning the teeth, which is orthodontics, mm-hmm. and then we have the other side is craniofacial orthopedics, mm. which a lot of board certified orthodontists, and they we work on that to change the structures of the face by orthopedic treatments on the face and jaw Mm -hmm. or doing jaw surgeries. So when it gets in that grand scale, but basically the structure of the face changes. Mm. And I have one of my patients, she had a strong lower jaw, which in technical term is class three. She was not a confident girl. She would come in, she would uh, interact with us, she wouldn't talk much, really quiet, young, nice girl. But then she went through the whole process of three years and she had a jaw surgery done 
Um, I think we started her treatment when she was around 15, 16 years of age, shy okay. little girl. And when the treatment was done, she was about 18, I think. And then she was totally different person after the surgery was done and the wow. jaw was positioned right. The face was balanced now. She had mm. the confidence. And from that shy girl that never talks in the office to us, she literally transformed to this young lady, got into law school, wow. and now she is the most talkative girl in the school. She comes in, she talks to us with confidence, she quotes law stuff, she talks about her academic goals and That's cool. passions in life. Those are some of the things that you see in practice, but those are not everyday practice. Most mm-hmm. of the everyday things are those are small changes that people value over a long period of time, mm. which is hard to measure. But I'm sure every orthodontist will relate to that. Yeah, Even, it's, observa- it's observable. Yeah. yeah. And if anything, in your profession as a professional um, dance coach, you see probably kids coming in without confidence and when they learn the moves. And oh, yeah, move. absolutely. You see over time as somebody develops a skill, you know, and you bring that level of authority, not authority like uh, having authority, but but having authority over their body, let's say control, self-control, mm-hmm. independence, those kind of things. It's really uh, that's my favorite part of the process is seeing seeing them be able to create their own confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously in the beginning you're holding their hand, but it's like 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 this when with orthodontists when you when you finally get that uh, that jaw fixed and they're coming back. You know, a year or two later, you see that they're confident that that has paid dividends in their life. That makes you feel really good. You know, that you contributed to that to that picture. Yeah. So, well, you know, in that same vein, what is some of the favorite parts of the process? You know, you kind of touched on a few of them, but there's a lot of parts to what you do. Obviously, you work, you have your own practice, you have, you know, people you have to work for, work with, um, your patients, the actual technical aspects of the job. What are some of your favorite parts of the process and why? Mm. Um, that's a very good question, actually. There are part of it that this, the, the biology of orthodontic movement of the teeth and the science and biomechanics, which I love and adore. Mm-hmm. But I think in the context, again, in the context of transformation, I can come with my favorite thing. My favorite thing, when I see these uh, people coming in and we start working together, kind of skeptical. I'm the doctor, they're the patient, and we build up this professional relationship. And by the nature of this service, we spend year and a half to two years or sometimes even two and a half years time together and I'll see them every month. Mm. I'll see how their life changes, how they're growing to uh, new adventures in their lives. That part is really one of my favorite things to see. Aside from the whole transformational aspect of coming with um, some imbalance and lack of harmony in the face and a smile and transforming to a face with harmony and beautiful smile. The process of change. They're just seeing that growing stage. As I said, even if patient is in her or his 60s and we are, I learned about their grandkids and family and mm. the kids and everything, or the kid is a 10-year-old kid growing to a 12, 13-year-old teenager now, I see the transformation mm. in their life just by, by nature. That's one of my favorite things to observe. That's cool. To be yeah. with people over a long period of time. To see the, the over time, the, yeah. the, the change. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can relate to that, especially you see it very drastically in kids, too. I mean, I've had kids, students, one of my longest one, I, I had a little girl from uh, like eight years old to 
like 11 years old and it's like you you remember where they started and where they you know three especially for kids the change is very observe it's very obvious there you know mm-hmm. so it's it's cool to see that well what does you know this is a more i guess philosophical question for you but in what you do what does your work mean to you you know what, how is it connected to your life purpose hmm. we all have different well, definitions of what our life purpose is and you know that can change at any point in time but what is it for you right now, and how does your work fall into that? And that's a very, or maybe how it doesn't fall into it. I don't know. <laughs> maybe Actually, it falls into it. It's it's a beautiful question. I was recently reading the book of I probably we talked about it. Simon Sinek started with why, yeah. and it really made me wonder and think: What is my why? What am yeah, I doing that's with a great, my I life? I love that one. I followed becoming a professional. I spent a lot of years in school and get a lot of degrees. But what is my why? Why? And then I notice I really adore creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, I love learning, learning new things. It really gets me excited. And I love people. Mm. I genuinely love people. And I think the way that life or my choices, my subconscious or conscious choices brought me to this field, orthodontics is one of those fields that give me the opportunity to practice all these three. Mm-hmm. I have to be creative. I'm working with so many people. I see sometimes 200, 300 people a week. Wow. So I'm I'm with people all the time. It's, it's too much in, uh, that I, I don't even have time to spend time with them because I'm right. seeing so many people. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the learning aspect is just never-ending learning. Yeah, it's constant. Learning. It's, just, it's medical, it's biology, it's psychology, it's business aspect, I think, related mm-hmm. to orthodontics, which probably is many other ones. But it it really fits in my why about life. So it's creativity, learning, and people. So it is related. That's cool. I like that. It's pretty much it integrates everything that you uh, are passionate about. Yeah. So that's that's really important because a lot of times, um, you know, we we find ourselves in positions where you know speaking about that whole what is my why thing. I think one of the main struggles that a lot of people have these days is that they are in a situation that isn't in alignment with their life purpose. Let's say they know their life purpose, but what they're doing is not in alignment with it because either they have to make money or whatever. There's some reason, reasonable circumstance. Or they might not even know what their life purpose is, and it's even more of a confusion. You know, yeah. So it's it's cool that you have come to the point where you know yourself and you have created a life you know, that you are in alignment with. But there's one, one point I think take makes our conversation a little more authentic. Um, yes, it is perfect, it's lovely, but the realities as a professional, as a specialist, mm-hmm. um, dealing with the reality of that profession, which in our Western culture, everything is basically called an industry. Hmm. They call, okay, in your industry, yeah. the profit margin is blah, blah, blah. Or the insurance companies lead this field of medical in this direction. Hmm. And that's the reality of market. Or details that comes along those conversations. It makes it a little bit far from that core um, why reason that mm-hmm. is attached to my profession. And that's the downside of that as a profession, which I didn't see it at the time when I chose these as my passion, as my profession. I didn't see that at the time. Now I can see it. And I think probably what I 
like the business aspects of it? Or? Not just business aspect. The reality mm-hmm. is, you know, as a medical professional mm-hmm. that's passionate about people, yeah, I love to work with five, ten people a day. Yeah, and deeply get engaged. If I have a teenager yeah, in story, my chair, their, I want to yeah. spend time with that teenager, and over the course of two years, gave that teenager everything that I have, not just give him a beautiful smile, yeah. give them good reasons to yeah. smile for the rest of life. I want to share wisdom. I yeah. want to share life with them. Yeah. But the way that our medical, quote-unquote, industry is oh, guiding I me, I can't afford to be in this profession by seeing 10 patients a day. Yeah. I have to see 40, 50, 60 patients a day. Hmm. So when I when you add it, so it's bring the reality of the market. So it's not just the business aspect of the thing. It's just... Yeah. The nature of this profession is I have to see so many people a day. Mm. It takes some of that why and purpose of this profession out of it. And I think probably it's the challenge of a lot of medical professionals. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was just at the doctor like last week and I was so rushed with everything. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, what is this? Yep, yep, yep. It's like even when she called me, I was like, okay, you know, I had a question and I literally could feel her anxiety or her like, okay, I got to go. Like, did you get all the information you need? Like, like literally it was like hanging on the phone, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, this is, this is ridiculous. Like, didn't you take, I mean, I'm not going to judge you because maybe you do have a lot of things you're, you're stressed out about, but you took a Hippocratic oath. That was the whole point of getting into the the medical field because ultimately you care about people. That is not because you want to make money, not because you, those things are all secondary, you know, but you care about people. So that you're right. The industry itself and the, you know, pressure of whatever the medical field and how that works itself out through insurance and everything else really puts a pressure on having those moments a little bit more authentic with your clients. And I'm glad that you're relating as a patient. I'm sure a lot of professionals related to this Oh, yeah. I mean, even with my own dentist, I feel the same way sometimes. It's like, okay, boom, 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 come in, look at my mouth. And it's like, I am ignorant about dentistry, so I don't know if what you're looking at and telling me is necessarily true, especially when I hear horror stories from my parents and everybody else (laughs) who have had, you know, they're way ahead of me on the dental track in a sense. They've had more serious problems, but... It's scary. You know, the dental world is scary because you you have an area that's, well, health in general. You know, honestly, health, there's pain involved. There's risk of, you know, quality of life changes, you know. So especially with these types of things, it's a very vulnerable area for people. And that's why, that's why we have the fiduciary oath for any medical professional. And mm-hmm. we need to spend so much time in schooling and learning the details. And we need to have a big heart of, Heart of giving and intuition to take care of people whole because so much variable is yeah. involved in orthodontics or in any other field of medical. And just to leave our um, audience and our conversation um, a little lesson about this that I said, I recently started observing this with my why and the changes that is in the reality of the world, practicing world, practical world. Mm-hmm. It is, it's, I have two choices to make. And I think in any transformational stage of our life, we have these two stages, two, two states of being. First of all, just accept it. Okay, this is what it is. I yeah. see 300 patients a day, and that's, that's what it's going to be. Or we can surrender. 
there's a difference to my understanding between acceptance and surrendering. Mm-hmm. Acceptance is I accept it being a little bit sin- having cynicism mm-hmm. against it, and I'm I'm there, but I'm not happy. But when I surrender, I see the reality. I know I'm passionate about two, three hundred, this two, three hundred people that I see every week. I definitely do everything at my best because I'm surrendered to what it is. Yeah. But at the same time, the peace, the inner peace that I have by surrendering to the process, gave creates a room in my mind and in my life so that I can start getting creative mm. to see how can I create a space for my patients and for myself. Mm. So when you come to see me in my office, you don't feel rushed. Mm. And I'm sure then a lot of professionals with benefit from that state of being so it's not just a professional thing as i said i use this as a little metaphor to if we are in a situation that we like to transform and we just distinguish between acceptance and surrendering and that's where i am in my professional life Mm -hmm. because i spent literally um 2001 is when i graduated from dental school for the first time um 1999 it was when i got passionate about orthodontics so i wrote my first, the- first, first thesis on orthotonics. And by the time that I became a specialized, it was 2014. So 15 years of my life, I worked in the middle a little bit. But even yeah, yeah. at the time that I was working, I was focusing on becoming the best orthodontist that I can be because mm. it was my passion. So this 15 years of life was not for nothing yeah. and was not only for moving teeth around. These 15 years of life to me was to add value to people's life and at the same time to my own life. And I'm getting to that distinguishing point between acceptance and surrendering. Hmm. Do I be upset and accept, okay, that's how the the market yeah, nothing I can do about rules, it I can't be... do anything about it, or I surrender and I try to create new possibilities at the uh, conversation we had, creating new possibilities of, Creating environments, platforms that we do all those values. Yeah, creative solution to creative solutions to, to the issue. That's where I am, and I mm-hmm. invite people to do that in their own life, and yeah, I like my that. professionals to brainstorm with me on what we can do to create. I that. like that a lot. That the peace, having internal peace, allows you to be creative. I think yes. that that's a very important distinction. And you know, because if you're stressed out, if you're if you're not finding that inner peace it is impossible to have creativity mm-hmm. you know so that's a that's a really cool thing well you know in this journey of what 20 years practically of of pursuing this career <laughs> you obviously have gone through a lot of different transformational experiences with clients with your own learning with you know th- with the medical profession especially a specialist it definitely requires delayed gratification having to go through school you know and have to wait at least 10 years for some whatever result so all these lessons how has it impacted your ability to have different kinds of relationships whether that's with clients with other people with your friends your family what has been the impact on them you know from your perspective as let's say 15 years ago versus now like how have you changed how has that impacted your relationships <laughs> i love that question you know let me give you a quick resume of myself okay and 1995 i started dental school in iran 2001 i graduated i wrote my thesis around 2000 on orthodontics i practiced for about four years and at the time i was writing books with my mentor and 
publishing papers and doing research in again in orthodontics field. And then I decided to advance my education. So I went to Australia. Hmm. I got my master's degree in orthodontic research, which is a beautiful story. And life, what life provided for me at that stage was so profound. So I got my master's in orthodontic research at the University of Sydney in Australia. Wow. And at the time, I was taking tests to become get a license to practice dentistry in Australia. And so in that process, I didn't have a license. I was working as a dental assistant. So I was wrapping a trash can uh, in the evening or in weekends oh, as a dental assistant. And in the morning, I'm in the academic environment doing this high-end oh, biology, wow. cellular study and research. That's a profound stage of my life. And then I came to the States. So I had to study to get into dental school again here. Right. Um, spent a year at home studying and getting my board exams. Went to Michigan. Did dental school again for two years. I got my DDS oh. in the States. And then I had to be top students to get into orthodontics. And with the whole new educational system, that was such a challenge. So I managed it. I, I'm grateful I got into orthodontic program in Arizona. And then when I was going through certificate of my specialty training here in Arizona, 2012-2014, we had an option to get a doctorate degree in health education online. So I took that course. So I got my doctorate degree in Iran dentistry, my master's at the University of Sydney, and then my dentistry, again, DDS doctorate degree wow. here in Michigan, <laughs> my certificate in orthodontics, and then doctorate degree in health education. Oh, wow. So that's the whole transformation <laughs> for me from academic perspective. And at every steps, I learned a lot. So I just said that yeah. to put in perspective, tell me about delayed gratification. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> And the last paper when it came in was my American board certification as a specialist you get to present cases to the highest level of standards to get your board certification yeah when that my board certification pin and letter came in that was the moment get me a pause it's like okay this it's is official the, now this yeah. is the end yeah it's done <laughs> it's the whole gratification the highest level of education that i wanted is here the biggest transformational moment was like wow this is just the beginning. Hmm. I did all that to get the permission to make to start <laughs> best decision to make decision for other people to so what is in their best interest. Right. So if you come to me as a patient, all those years made me qualified to make decisions in your best interest, yeah. and you trust me in that. And seeing that was a like a mind shift because I was thinking I'm doing this education to be a successful student and be proud of myself. I'm yeah, very some successful. Kind of outcome, yeah. And then I noticed, no, it was not, that was not the success. That was just the mm. initial stage to gave me opening to a whole new world of serving others. Mm. So it, that's, it's, it's, that's how it transformed me the whole process. And how did that yeah. impact your, I know I love that because it's like, that's such a long journey that you, anything that you stay for that long at, is going to be a transformative process for sure because you really, I mean, sticking to your guns with whatever it is, 20 years is a long time. So kudos to you. Uh, what impact, like what can you share about these, let's say delayed gratification. You know, you, you went through this entire process. You shifted from looking at the outcome of being the top student and being this, you know, so much education to, oh my gosh, now I can, now my life purpose is more about contributing. It's really that's where the value is at, is helping other people. How did that transformation, that particular change of worldview, 
impact your relationships? How were your relationships with your family, with your friends, with loved ones, with other people before, like let's say when you started your orthodontics program or, you know, your journey? And how are they now? What has changed about you? Maybe like one thing that's a major shift. And how does that impact your relationships with people? Like, you know, with... That's whatever. a little... Actually, that's a little challenge. When you are focused on a topic for that long, I think left people around me with two sides. Mm-hmm. And I think anybody who's focused on certain topics, they can relate to this conversation. Follow their passion and focused on it for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. One, a lot of people around me, they're proud of these achievements. These are academic achievements and whatever. But at the same time, for being focused on that topic, I had to ignore a lot of things about others. So mm. there was a little trap of selfishness. Mm-hmm. That was the cost that I had to pay. And now it's 20 years of life. You, we were just having this conversation. Yeah. Any habits takes 21 days. I can easily say life is about giving and serving. It's easy to say that. But when I spent 20 years of my life just getting and absorbing, I know it was knowledge, yeah. it was academics, but it was all about me passing the next yeah, test. getting some result. Getting something. It was about sacrificing the next party and saying no to my friends because I'm at home being a nerdy little student yeah. studying to get to pass the next test. So that's a really honest challenge to, tra- to have a transition from there on because... Mm. The realities of the world pushes me to keep focusing. Now, next step is open a successful business. Right, right. There's always but, some new carrot that you have to but chase. Yes, to have mm-hmm. that moral, um, um, moral pathway to not to get caught in that. Say, okay, I've done. I spent twenty years of my life to do this. Now it's time for a change. Mm. That is, I would say, um, it's a challenge that I'm going through these past few years and yeah. it's not an easy thing to adopt to the new lifestyle and make it a not a moral statement that lies is about giving yeah to see this is this is Truly really the action. reality this yeah. is this is truth yeah. life is not about me and we can all i think everybody can relate yeah. people who are focused on me 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 at the end of the day either cause trouble to themselves or to the people around them mm-hmm. but when you're in a state of giving you create abundance and fun and peace for everybody, for yourself mm-hmm. and for the others. So I'm not trying to make a moral statement out of the value of giving. Mm-hmm. I see a logic and reason behind it. So that's what I'm going through. Yeah, that's I mean, what certainly I'm, our species, I mean, we talked about Simon Sinek a lot and he, he brings this up a lot, but our species in general evolved as a cooperative, like we have cooperation as a survival instinct. Mm-hmm. Like we have altruism, not because it doesn't make sense. Actually, it does make sense because it, we are evolved as a group to specialize in roles and help each other. That's part of our DNA. So it is in alignment with our, you know, with our biology. Even. With our biology, yes. Yeah, I mean, we're all the dopamine and serotonin and all these chemicals that make us feel alive are dependent upon our success socially. You know, interacting mm-hmm. with other people, contributing to others gives you a little dopamine hit you know, serotonin, all these things, you know, having the comfort of loved ones around you, you know, relationships, intimacy, all these things are hardwired into our, our brains, you know. So, mm-hmm. well, you know, in this new path that you're on where you're more aware of these things, like, okay, you know, the value of life has shifted. 
how do you maintain that value? Because ultimately there are, regardless of what kind of job you do, there's always the the mundane stuff that we have to do. There's, you know, dealing with whatever paperwork, there's dealing with stuff that we don't want to do. And that is inevitable. It's part of the cycle of what we do. Mm-hmm. And it's easy for that stuff to get a hold of you and get the better of you. Like if you're having a long day or tired, you tend to see more of that stuff than you do the transformative aspects of your job or how cool, you know, oh my gosh, you know, little Susie is coming in for, you know, some braces and you're going to change her life. And if you're tired and being cynical about how your job has to do with a bunch of paperwork, you're not going to see that opportunity, you know, that's there. So how do you create more of those transformative moments? When do they happen for you? What particularly makes them different from the mundane moments of just seeing a patient? Like you said, you have a time crunch that you're only having to deal with. You can't spend as much time as you'd want to with with a patient because if you would spend time with them, it would be even more transformative for you because you could really have a quality experience of exchange and and spending quality time, but you don't necessarily get that luxury. So that's an obstacle to creating more of those transformative moments. How do you create those moments more, and how do you deal with the mundane? I love the fact you said uh, shift in the values, which is very true. That's beautifully said. And um, the way that I'm trying to manage it is, first of all, I'm understanding, I read a quote, inner peace is the new success. Hmm. So I'm trying to see how can I create that experience of inner peace for myself Hmm. and for people around me. So make that a priority. I'm not even talking about love, giving, or anything. So that's the priority now. So if I have to sacrifice a job opportunity to make sure I'm not taking that inner peace, peaceful environment Hmm. from the people around me, I'll do that. I'll make that really a priority. And the second thing is um, now the value is not going to be what the society tells me that's the value. Hmm. The success is not what the society tells me is the success. It's what my heart says and what people that genuinely I love and they love me, what they tell me. Just a little check mark. So I make a decision and I check it with people that love me and I love them. Say, yeah. What do you, do you see? Like a huge element of selfishness in this or not? So I check mark with people that I trust, and yeah. I know they trust like me. Like social benchmarks, kind of, or awareness awareness yes. points. Or yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I make that a priority instead of following the norms of the society. And mm. okay, everybody says if you have, I don't know, this degree or this business or the CEO position, you're accounted as valuable person. In right. Your, but if my heart tells me this is valuable and the heart of people that I trust and are around me, I'll make that my check mark, not, yeah. not the mind chatter, the heart connections. Yeah, social proof from the people who are closest to you. That's, exactly. that's what really provides value. And that, yeah, I exactly. mean, that's, that's, you know, if you think about it, that's the way that we evolved, period. We had our tribe that we trusted, you know, and that was this. These little communities of trust, and again, kind of to point back to Simon Sinek, he talks a lot about this kind of stuff. It's very interesting because it's hardwired into our DNA to have these little communities of trust that we bounce ideas off of, that we cooperate, that we, you know, reference socially about what we should do and we shouldn't do. And uh, nowadays, 
you know, to kind of point to a, a bigger can of worms, I won't go too much into it, but social media and all these things that essentially really separate us, a lot of the backlash against those things is that, you know, they are subverting these natural systems that we mm. don't, we don't have that social proof anymore. We don't have, we, we have the proof of Facebook and the artificial stuff that's on there yeah. all the time, you yeah. know, and it's, uh, it's interesting to, to hear that because I think there's going to be a revamp or a reawakening of people and they're going to stop using these things as much. They're going to want more real and authentic opinions. They want real authentic news, real and authentic conversations. And I think this is one of the pathologies of yeah. our new modern world that people start end up being alone. And I'm not talking about physical loneliness yeah, that you live. feeling of disconnected. Feeling disconnected. Yeah. You might be the highest level CEO of the company yeah. and you're alone, significantly alone that you make inhuman decisions. Yeah. Or you might be... You're so separate from the... So separate yeah. from the reality of the norm. That's why family is really important. Best friends. And we, I'm sure a lot of people heard that long-term Harvard study about happiness. Yeah. That at the end of the day, some people might argue happiness is not the strong word. It's about fulfillment. But just what we know Whatever about it happiness, is. Yeah, it's feeling good. Yeah, that exactly. state of being, feeling good. And that study shows like 70 years research. It was one of the longest studies done. Yeah. At the end of the day, what contributes to happiness is our loving and connection and relationships that we have with each other and with people around us. And as I said, this is the pathology of our Western society or mm-hmm. maybe in other societies that uh, we end up being alone, as I said, in higher positions or in lonely young individuals. That's why we see all these kind of um, mass shooting. It comes from a lonely yeah. person who got separated. lost in the separate no social consciousness. No social consciousness. No, no check mark. Yeah. Nobody around them to say, we love you no matter what. Yeah. It doesn't have that. So it gets lost. Hmm. And then on the other end, we have decisions made on... Um, yeah, that's a whole social political conversation. You're not yeah, yeah, but it's 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 definitely true. I mean, it brings up the idea of obstacles to me, and you know, I mentioned a lot of different obstacles to transformation. You know, this the idea of being disconnected, like you said, and and creating that loneliness uh, from society is definitely an obstacle to transformation because part of our journey and finding ourselves also is in the people in our lives that have helped us, whether it's mentors, relationships that don't work out, you know, uh, friends, whatever. There's all these relational aspects to self-discovery. So being alone is and disconnected is a huge obstacle to transformation because re- relationships are a massive resource for, in fact, it's a critical resource for transformation. So in your mind and experience, what are some of, the other obstacles to transformation. You can have that as openly interpreted as you want, whether it's personal, whether it's in your field. But what are, you know, in your own life experience, what are some of the obstacles to transformation or living a transformed life? That's a that's a very deep question. I can just think top of my mind. Um, I can list, maybe we get into the conversation, more is going to come up. Yeah, I can think of prejudice, and being not being flexible. Hmm. These are the two main obstacles of transformation yeah. in any field, in personal, professional life. Mm-hmm. If I get prejudiced, 
in our professional field, we have people that are prejudiced about certain techniques and tools. Yeah. And we see problems comes out of that prejudice mm. practice, which science is constantly evolving. Experience yeah, there's is, always some new change. Especially experimental science is constantly changing, constantly evolving. That's what you have to do, continuing education. Every few years, we have to update our continuing education. But if I am prejudiced about certain way of practicing, then I might cause harm to people. So it's mm -hmm. not just an a spiritual yeah, there's, transformation. There's impact, it's yeah. my professional responsibility not to be prejudiced and be open-minded about new changes and new practices. Mm -hmm. And the other thing uh, is lack of flexibility, mm -hmm. which uh, I recently learned. They said some of the evolutionary perspective about uh, surviving the nature is being strong. Yeah. But I recently learned strength and power <laughs> is flexibility, is adaptability. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're adaptable to the changes in our environment, then we're going to survive longer, we're going to transform easier. So if, if that flexibility is not there, it's like the example of a, a light branch that bends in a heavy wind or a big tree that mm. breaks, That's, that flexibility is the key to transformation. Yeah, there's, there's always changes that happen. So if you can't be adaptable, then yeah, but that that break. can be the whole topic for another podcast yeah, to I talk mean, about. Whole... What are the sides, well, the cloud, though. the pendulum theory yeah, that you yeah, have we're, around we're talking this? Talking a lot about how we are constantly having to reconcile two opposing but complementary ideals. You know, like actually, I'll just give an example really quick. But uh, we can, you know, we can use this one: prejudice, or let's say, uh, you no, know, flexibility, flexibility and adaptability, or lack uh, of adaptability. Uh, yeah, exactly. So there's a there's on one end of the spectrum, it's okay. I'm flexible. I'm open to pretty much everything. On the other end of the spectrum, it's no. This is exactly how it is. I'm very certain about it. And they each come with their strengths. You know that you have to use. It's not one of them. If you're too flexible, then you have X, Y, and Z as a problem, mm -hmm. vice versa. So to me, and we were talking with Payam here before the, the episode, that everything is on this cloud or this spectrum. It's it's not clear where the line is distinguished because it's it's a gradient. And you have these two things that are inherently opposite, but they are also complementary. And it's like, you know, they're, you're always trying to balance the two and, and finding the balance between the two and creating whatever you're creating that is really kind of a, a dance, I always call it. Obviously, I use the metaphor of dancing, but it's really a choreography. It's finding, okay, where does, when should I be more prejudiced? You know, and prejudice is a strong word, but, you know, more selective, let's say another word. Yeah, it's better. Choice. But, uh, and when should I be more open? You know, and there is no right answer. It's, it's a gradient. So you have to test a working model that incorporates both of them over time. And adjust and say, okay, here I was too open and I got burned. Or here I was too closed-minded and actually I missed an opportunity. And adjust. And it really shapes over time. So, well, that was really uh, interesting. I mean, is there anything else as far as the things that you've learned through your experiences uh, in the rest of the world and traveling and being basically what we've been talking about that have given you insight into people, into how the world works into, you know, business even, anything that you mm -hmm. want to share? Mm -hmm. You know, Any life um, lessons. yeah, traveling, being, studying and working three different continents, Southern yeah, Hemisphere, I mean, Northern Hemisphere, <laughs> Eastern culture and world and Western culture and world. 
and traveling across the timeline from Australia to the States. I used to travel back oh, and yeah. forth. Um, you know, this is our world. Uh, we are not here to take this for granted. It might sound cliche to some of the people who are into this kind of conversation. And we are not here to take grant take it for granted. The life, the the precious gift of earth and abandoned resources that we have. And this is not designed that I'm there to get something out of this. We are designed to be with people and to contribute. Yeah. And it has to be the direction. It's like uh, I love the analogy of when you have an arrow. In order to hit a target, at the beginning you have to pull it back and then let it go. So mm. you're away from that direction. Even mm. if you want to gain something for yourself, mm. it has to be an element of contribution yeah. in the momentum of that movement. Mm. Otherwise, it's not going to get to any target. So this is our world. This is a uh, word for people. And I recently wrote a write, um, read a quote that says the world is our country and people are the citizens of it. Hmm. So we are citizens and I can see people on in Australia, in Iran, in here, we are all the same. We have same similar insecurities. We have same needs. The pyramids of Maslow. Yeah. We have that's universal law. So people are people. Let's be comfortable around each other and see it as a fact that how can I contribute when I'm here with Tudor? How can I contribute and make the best decision in Tudor's best interest? Professionally, I learned that and I have oath for it and I'm legally responsible to do that. Makes the best in decisions for the people best interest. Yeah. But let's make, we got to make that a life practice yeah. at any given situation. Outside of any kind of yeah, job. And then compassion comes to the conversation. So, this is the world. People are the citizen of it, and we are we are in this together. Yeah, I like so that. Let's do it. We are in this together. Together, Doesn't, let's be. <laughs> together, let's be. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. That's a reference to. Well, you can tell them, Payan, yeah. what what that's a reference to. Yeah, that's reference to other conversation we had, as part of that change in the values. Uh, we started creating a community of, uh, a new community that we can create. That's the that's the mission statement we wrote for each other, for our community. That um, together, creating the profound experience of inner peace for everybody. And we called it Together Just Be. And tonight in our conversation, you brought up Together Let's Be. Yeah, so I totally like, thought right it was called Together Let's Be. And it came out of the universe. It came <laughs> out. That's a message from the universe. But you guys do regular meditation. And, we uh, do regular monthly meditation. And the intention is to create a holistic healing center and raise the level of inner peace, not just for our community, in long run for humanity. So yeah, that's great. That's that's the. Where can they find info on that? Um, so far, we put some um, info on Facebook as together mm -hmm. just before now, yeah. and then Instagram page. And the events are happening in Phoenix. My hope and vision and plan with our co-leaders of the program and. Um, um, and our young community is to start doing live podcasts as soon as the curriculum is more set. It's really young now. Yeah, yeah. As soon as we can do live podcast, live podcasting, and people can participate in that 
uh, meditation. Oh, okay, like a, a live meditation. Mm -hmm. uh, so we increase this span of that togetherness to a larger yeah. number of people. That's cool, man. Well, yeah. that pretty much wraps up the interview. I think we're up to a little over an hour now. So oh, this wow. is an awesome conversation. <laughs> Thank you so much, my friend, for joining me. Is there any other information you want to leave them if they want to find you or maybe where your practices or anything like that? I practice in Phoenix Metropolitan. Uh, mm -hmm. Just search my name, Payamotad. You'll see what I'm practicing. And uh, you can find me, I think, at this point, find me at Together Let's Be. That's yeah. more related to the big audience, uh, mm -hmm. which is people. And the other thing, yeah, I will invite everybody. I've been listening to your podcast since we yeah. were having this conversation. I really enjoyed the conversation, the material that you're putting together, the details that you discussed about seven transformation mm -hmm. and the karmic, uh, the karmic transformation, karmic transformation yeah. that you have. I invite our audience to really tune in and get to learn about your work and what you are up to. Yeah, you're up you. to great. And I'm, I'm not saying that because you are sitting in your podcast. I, I want to be nice. And this, it's <laughs> really, yeah, it's not really been an inauthentic niceness. I, yeah. I really mean it. You're up to great thing, and I'm honored to be part of it now. But yeah, just absolutely. this little yeah, this contribution awesome. that I Thank can you do. for being part of it. So this was great. Cool. So, Thank you so much. All right, guys. Well, you heard it. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope these episodes have contributed to your day, your week, your life. I hope that you've gotten some new insight uh, and some new action towards whatever it is that you are creating. My goal is to share with you a variety of people's life experiences so that, uh, you know, that something clicks. And my goal in the future, like I said, is to develop this into a place where people can turn to for advice. I'm writing a book. Uh, I plan on finishing that next year and a lot of other exciting things. So thank you for supporting me on my journey. Uh, towards that future and uh, I hope to see you next time so thank you again Payam my pleasure thank you for everybody for tuning in and listening to us yeah check us out we have a lot of things on the website now um, if you like this show share it with your friends it really helps obviously and get the word out but we also have a Patreon page that if you want to be part of there's a lot of benefits on there different tiers that kind of thing uh, you know future discounts on the book and all that kind of stuff merchandise anyway so if you want to support the show feel free to do that thank you so much for listening and we will see you on the flip side you're listening to the seven transformations podcast with your host Tudor alexander for weekly articles on creating a life you love stay connected at the seven transformations.com